Thank you for listening in today to our Friday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we'll continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. And so he tells him to wait seven days. Uh, verse 9 says, So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. So as we continue on here, I want you to know it's not going to tell us of the other signs, but right there it tells us that all those signs that he said came to pass. But it's that third sign that um, the, the narrator here tells us it, it, it is the important part of the dialogue going forward here, because before that, all those signs came to pass. And then he just tells us here in verse 10, and when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? So people are watching him and they're kind of going, whoa, we haven't seen this before. You're going to be seen as another man, Saul. You're going to be seen doing things that you had never done before. I think that that speaks volumes of who we are in the person of Christ Jesus. Hopefully you're doing things that you're going, I never thought I'd be doing that. What's that? Dude, I, I never thought I'd be doing it. What's that? I'm working with five-year-olds, man, at the church. I never saw myself doing that. I've become a different person. They're going to go by and go, is that Joe in the nursery? You know, is that so-and-so working with the high school group? Is that so? There's, they should pass by and go, whoa, that's a different person. That's not a person I knew four years ago. That's not a person I knew a year ago. Look what they're doing. That's what they're doing with Saul. Look at him. He's prophesying with the sons of the prophet. Well, who are the sons of the prophet? The sons of the prophets would be a group that uh, uh, that Samuel would be working with because he is the high priest. The thought behind this is, is is that this is a school that Samuel would have had as he's raising people up. And then all of a sudden you see Saul, a part of that. It's like, whoa, when did he join that? From what everybody knew about Saul, he wasn't interested about spiritual things. We never see him at the feast. We never see him at any of those things. And so they're going, he has become a different man. And then a man from there answered and said, but who is this father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Because they're kind of going, wow, did he, is he part of this school too? Is he part of... And so the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, we see that God gives a person the Holy Spirit um, and, and to, in order to perform certain tasks. However, also in the Old Testament dispensation, we're able to see that sometimes God would also take the Holy Spirit away from a person. We're going to see that with Saul here in chapter 16, when verse 14 it says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It's one of the reasons why David, when he fell with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, he says, do not cast away your, me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because that would happen. The Holy Spirit would come upon a person. The Holy Spirit also left um, Samson. And Samson didn't even know it. One of the saddest verses there in that whole commentary that the Holy Spirit left and he didn't even realize it. 
And so we know that in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit will never leave you, that the Holy Spirit abides with us forever. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption, the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Um, it's interesting because we're told in Ephesians 4.30 that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can even quench the Holy Spirit according to 1 Thessalonians 5.19. But here's one of the things we cannot do as a believer. You cannot drive the Holy Spirit away. The Holy Spirit cannot be taken from you because your confidence is in the work that Jesus did for you on the cross. And that by having faith in that, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And so here in 1 Samuel 10, verse 13, it says, And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? And so he said, To look for the donkeys. And when he saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. He Notice how his uncle, and this is interesting, in one commentary, where it's true or not, I'll let you run with it, uh, because Samuel is now supposedly the son, I'm sorry, Saul is now the son of Samuel, there is one commentary that says it could quite possibly be that the uncle here is his father, but the narration now sees him as his uncle because Saul is now Samuel's son through adoption. I'll let you run with that if you want to, um, but I find it interesting that the uncle knows who Samuel is, Hey, Samuel told me that the donkeys were found and everything was okay. Don't you think he would have said, who's Samuel? But he doesn't. So there are family members who know who Samuel are, but Saul didn't. Last week we went over it. He doesn't know about this prophet. He doesn't know who Samuel is. But it seems like other family members do. And so Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly the donkeys had been found, but, another, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. So there are matters of the kingdom that were spoken to him as he put the, uh, told the servant to go ahead. So not only did he anoint him as king, but he talked to him about kingdom matters. So he, he has been educated somewhat on, on what's to be expected of him. You're being called to be king. There's a kingdom here in Israel that you are going to reign over. And, and Samuel told him about those kingdom matters. And then it says in verse 17, Then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. Um, Mizpah means watchtower. Uh, this is the place that Samuel gathered the people once before in 1 Samuel 7. Um, he encouraged them to put away their foreign idols. They had already done that. They gathered together to prove that and just to worship the Lord. That's when the Philistines came up thinking that there was war in the camp. And what is it the Lord did? He went out before them. Cause thunder, lightning, all those kind of things to cause them uh, into confusion and, and begin to wipe them out to where then the people uh, of Israel was able to go after them. But God is the one that delivered that victory. I find it interesting that Samuel brings him there almost as a reminder. This is the place where the Lord used to fight your battles. But now there's going to be a king who does it. Now there's going to be a king who does it. And so here in verse 18 it says, And he says to the children of Israel, 
Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all kingdoms, from those who oppressed you, but you have today rejected your God. That's not a great introduction to what God is going to do next. Because he lays upon them this sin. You've rejected God today. Even though he's done all this for you, you have rejected God this day. Who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. That's why they're there in Mizpah. Remember that? Only a few, maybe 20 years earlier. Remember that? How he delivered you? Who saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. So Samuel reminds them of God's faithfulness in the past and how that wasn't good enough. They still want a king. Verse 20, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of of Matri was chosen. And Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. How did they choose him? It doesn't say. However, there are two ways that they used to choose people when they would choose tribes and when they would, we were told that they cast lots when it came to uh, divvying up the, the tribes in, in, the, in the area of Canaan. They cast lots before the Lord. What a lot was is that there was a pouch behind the breastplate of the high priest. One was, it was a stone, one was black, one was white. One either said yes, the other one no, or one said um, true and the other one false. We're not sure exactly which ones it was said. But they, the belief was that there, we know there was a black and a white stone in there. So the thought was is that every tribe that came by, that the high priest would put his hand in the pouch and he would pull out. And if it was a white stone, that meant, yes, this is the tribe you're being chosen. So all the other tribes can go by the wayside. And then from the tribes, different families would come up. Blackstone, not this family, not this family, not this family. And then when that white stone came out, oh, it's this family. And then from the family, it would go to the individuals and, until all of a sudden, boom, Saul was chosen. Another thought here, because it doesn't say lots. It does not say lots. It just says he was chosen. Another way that we would hear from God is called the Urim and Thummim. And that has to do with, that speaks of lights and perfections is what that means. Um, as, well as, uh, um, uh, as well as revelation or truth. And the thought here is, is that you have the 12 stones uh, on the breastplate. And the name was written on that stone of each tribe. And so it would light up. And through the lighting up, it would spell certain things in order for you to know what it is that God was saying. But the thought behind that is that you actually actually have to be in the presence of the um, Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, where everything would go boop, 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 you know, and, and you kind of figure out what is being said. Now, this is a really interesting thing. Let's say, uh, obviously, it's in Hebrew, okay? So I'm just going to break it down for you. Um, let's say... Uh, the tribe of Benjamin, all right? And, uh, and so how do you know what letter is being lit, uh, lit up there when all of a sudden the stone of Benjamin lights up? 
Well, if it's if it's the if it's the letter um, E of Benjamin, obviously this would be in the Hebrew. I'm just using it for uh, English or whatever. And if they wanted you to know that E is the letter you're supposed to take to spell out what God is saying, it would then blink what once, twice. You get that? Kind of like um, you know a, a cell phone. Before we had the texting that we did, you have to press it twice. For, for, uh, for B, when it was A, B, and C, you had to hit it twice, and that's how you knew. Same thing with the lighting up is what their understanding is. And so it would spell, spell things out so you know what it is that the Lord is saying. Could that have been used? It could have. But most of the time, it seems to be the casting of, of lots. And so, um, and so this is how they were able to choose that it was going to be uh, Saul. And so, um, so here we have... The man of God, they say it's going to be Saul is the one they, that, that is chosen, but they could not find him. <laughs> and it says in verse 22, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has a man come here? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. So that's not being casting of lots. So how did the Lord say that? Could he have spoken through Samuel? He could have. Or maybe they were doing the casting of lots, and maybe at this point the Urim and Thummim is what comes into play. And also, there he is, you know, hiding among the equipment. And you're going, <laughs> the equipment means supplies. It uh, could be traveling bags, supply bags, uh, the certain area. Saul was hiding behind them. Hey, where's the future king? He's hiding. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, that's what I want for my future king. My, my victor, you know, the one that's going to lead me into battle. He's hiding among the supplies. That doesn't bode much confidence if you ask me. Um, but it's beginning to reveal a little bit about Saul's character. He's very emotional. He goes by his emotions. He really goes by his emotions. Um, one minute we're going to see him a very courageous, sacrificial warrior. And the next he's a very self-centered dictator. You see him weeping over David in one moment of saying, I have sinned. And the next moment his passion is he wants to kill him. He, he's very much a, a, a man who is a slave to his passions. Some have suggested that this is really humility, him hiding, but that's not true. Andrew Murray said this, and I believe this to be true. True humility isn't thinking of oneself. It just isn't. True humility is not thinking of oneself. It is simply not thinking of oneself at all, is what it is. Had Saul been focusing on the glory of God, he would have been present in the assembly, humbly accepting God's call. Shunning national popularity is one thing, but shunning God-given responsibility is another, and that's not humility. That's not humility. Verse 23 says, So they ran and brought him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. He's a head taller than everybody else. A head taller. And so Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. And so all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. I would, I would suggest to you that was probably the worst thing that he could have said. Because if God's given you a king, I think the praise should go to God. Praise be to God. But that's not what they say. Long live the king. This is the guy. Look at him. Look how tall he is. Look how big he is. You'd think when they're saying that, someone said, yeah, but wasn't he hiding behind the supplies? 
<laughs> you know, that shows a little something about the heart, I think, you know. But no, they went by what they saw. They cared more about what they saw. But God's word tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. But we can see here that they're walking by sight. And that's why God gave them to, him to them. Because he knew that they were walking by sight. And they wanted someone who looked good. And he says, you want someone to look good? You want someone who looks uh, like a king? We often use this term, don't we? You want someone who looks presidential? Wow. I don't want someone to look presidential. I want someone to be presidential. That's all. You know? They, they say that back in, um, uh, in the 60s when they had the first debate uh, that was televised, between um, Nixon and Kennedy, that Nixon won hands down. But the people who viewed it on TV saw that Kennedy won. But those who listened to it on the radio, it was hands down that Nixon won. Why? Because Kennedy looked so presidential. He was a good-looking guy. And you know what was tough for Nixon was because it was in black and white? This guy could grow probably a full beard in like three hours. This guy shaved twice a day. And so the time that the debate was going, he had this five o'clock shadow going, and he just did not, he looked like anything but presidential. And because they're viewing things with their eyes, oh, Kennedy won. But when they couldn't see that, and when they heard it, everybody said, hands down, oh, Nixon won the debate. The eyes, they will always stumble you. We're not called to, to act upon what we see. We've always been told to act upon what we know. We walk by faith, not by sight. And that's why we always bring things to the word of God. Man, I feel like doing this. It seems like a good thing. Oh, look how nice and shiny that is. Certainly I'm supposed to have that. When you're supposed to really compare that to the word of God. No, God says don't have that because of this. And you go, oh, that's right. So the way I feel, the what my senses... That those aren't always in tune with the Lord. And so you have to take what you perceive, bring it to God's word and say, does it line up? No, it doesn't. Then I'm supposed to do away with that. Deny myself, pick up the cross, follow him. It's one of the reasons why um, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. How do you acknowledge God? By putting what he says above how you feel. That's how you acknowledge God every single day. Now, do you guys really feel like getting up early and meeting with the Lord? Do you really feel like denying yourself daily? Do you really feel like... The answer, if you ask me, and I'm your pastor, I'm just here telling you right now, I don't feel like getting up quite often to be with the Lord. I don't. Don't feel like it. Just want to sit there with my coffee, continue to read the paper, then maybe just go, you know, answer emails for a long time. Oh, this is an interesting article on Fox, and just kind of go that way. When I just hear, you need to meet with me, you need to meet with me, I, I just, I'm just feeling lazy right now. I know, now's the time to deny yourself. I'm gonna, and you do. And I gotta tell you, I think that God is so pleased when he knows how we feel, and yet we do what we're supposed to do. I think that there's just... I think he's beaming when he sees that. Because you cannot help how you feel. Just so you know that. You can't help how you feel. But you are 100% responsible on how you choose to act on how you feel. That's what God holds you responsible for. I've, I've talked to, to several people and, 
And, you know, where I'm just, in, in, in my heart, I'm just going, man, I do not like this person at all. But God, I know you want me to minister to them. I know that, that you want, uh, that they're in my life for a reason. I know that you moved them right next door to me for a reason. That you want me to love them. And love is a choice, it's an action, it's not a feeling. And as I've taught you time and time again, as God's word says, he doesn't say you have to like anyone, he says you have to love them. But as you love someone, man, that's what's so great. You eventually like them. If you truly love them and do acts of kindness with them and you continue to love them, you'll eventually like them. And so he goes on and he says here in verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, wrote it in a book, laid it before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. So again, he explains to him, this is what royalty, this is what a king is going to do. He's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to tithe you. You have to provide for his household. You have to provide for his army. You're going to have to do all these different things. Writes it down in a book. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. There's your definition of someone who's valiant. God's touched their heart. God touched their heart. So somehow through this, men came alongside of Saul and just said, I know you don't know us or whatever, but we're going to get to know you and we believe that you're God's anointed and so we're going to come alongside of you and we're going to be faithful to you. These are valiant men. And so they go to his house and these are people that God's, uh, that, whose hearts God had touched. And so it tells us that Saul went home to Gibeah. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presence, but he held his peace. I like this. The rebels, some rebels despised him. There's always going to be rebels in a camp. Always. God had it from the very beginning. Can you believe that angel rebelling against God? <laughs> you know. If it happened in the most perfect of circumstances, why is it that we're shocked when somebody rebels against us? We shouldn't be. It's going to happen. And we show it here. The very first king, boom, already rebels. And you're going, it's not, the first day isn't even over yet, and he already has rebels. I remember when we were first planting a church in Littleton, we had like 35 people that were meeting on a, on a Sunday night, and I said, you know what, we're going to do, or a Thursday night, and we're going we're gonna to do a, a Sunday morning. Let's go out there, and let's start doing a church. Let's do Sunday morning where we can invite people, and let's start to reach out to people. We had 10 people leave after I mentioned that. We had our first church split without having our first church service. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me. We've been teaching about outreach and reaching out. And it's not about us for like four or five months. And, and let's start doing a Sunday morning. No, nah, I want nothing to do with this. Are you kidding me? And, and, and it was at that point that God says, you think this is going to be easy? I said, I never thought it would be easy. I just didn't think like this, that there'd be rebels in the camp so quickly. Wow. Wow. It's his first day. And he has rebels. Oh my goodness. Wow. And 
so he holds his peace. And we're going to see that that is going to work for uh, Saul in the next chapter. Let nothing ever separate us. That wraps up this Friday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us again on Monday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings, On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for joining us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.